Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, this is Ibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm also the host of Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight, and I'm the editor of the anthology, which you should run out and buy, called Moms Don't Have Time to, a quarantine anthology. All proceeds of that book go to COVID-19 vaccine research. And I'm the editor-in-chief of Moms Don't Have Time to Write, a new publication on Medium, and we're accepting submissions, so please send your personal essays there. And if all that isn't enough, you can follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens, and my website is zibbyowens.com. Okay, now back to this amazing podcast. Sophie Brickman is the author of Baby Unplugged, One Mother's Search for Balance, Reason, and Sanity in the Digital Age. She is a reporter, writer, and editor who has written for The New Yorker, The New York Times, The Wall Street Journal, El Sever, The San Francisco Chronicle, and other outlets. Her work has also appeared in the Best Food Writing and the Best American Science Writing Anthologies. A Harvard graduate, she lives in New York City with her husband and children. Welcome, Sophie. Thanks so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss Baby Unplugged, One Mother's Search for Balance, Reason, and Sanity in the Digital Age. Thank you so much. It's lovely to be here. Oh, I wrote this essay a long time ago called A Mother's Right to Sanity. So I feel like, you know, I we have not did. yet found it myself, but I'm, I'm hoping that you found it in your search. Oh, no, not really. But, you know, I did my best. Like, <laughs> I'm being forward. I actually have a six-week-old right Aww. now. He yesterday. So I'm in the thick of it. Oh right? my gosh. Six week old baby and another child and a book. That's and a another, another child. This is my third kid. Oh, that's so your third child. Throwing gasoline on the fire at this point. Yeah. Wow. I have two daughters, five and two, and then a baby. Oh my gosh. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Wow. Well, how are you doing all this? 
Um, <laughs> caffeine, coffee, lots yep. of coffee. I have um, various no, cups. I'm hanging in there. It's it's been it's it been very enjoyable actually. So oh, good. Keeping all the balls in the air. Well, then you're, I mean, your topic is perfect. It's like you've channeled your life into your work. So that's always the best way to go about anything. Talk about Baby Unplugged, what it's about, you know, the, the quest for, to sort through all the technological baggage that comes with being parents. <laughs> so my husband, Dave, is in the tech world. We lived in San Francisco for a while. He worked at a startup and another one, and he just loves technology. There's like, he likes strapping things on his body and monitoring various data points of sleep and calories and whatever else. And none of it really phased me until my older daughter, who's now five, was born. And then all of these gadgets started popping up in the nursery and this one was going to monitor her heart rate and this one was going to monitor her sleep and it was going to spit all this data back. And it all purported to make parents calm and, and unanxious and it drove, drove me up the wall. So I wrote an article just sort of loosely investigating this, the intersection of parenting and technology and was like honestly very surprised at the amount of parents who reached out to me and were like, oh my God, we're grappling with the same thing. And we don't know what the right answer is. And like, if we put our kids in front of a screen, is that horrible? And is it okay? And can we cut ourselves some slack or whatever? And so I started researching and the journey is very personal. You know, I started writing when Ella was, my older daughter was three and submitted the manuscript when she was around five. And I am now in the thick of it again with the third kid. There's just a lot of data thrown at parents. There's a lot of conflicting headlines out there. And so I sort of wanted to use my journalistic expertise for a very selfish reason, which is to like figure out what how, how to use technology in a successful way. I guess you could say I wrote this and proved my husband wrong um, about the tech you brought home. But the end of it, you know, it's a memoir. It's a story about being a parent. And there's a lot of reporting mixed in there. My hope, honestly, is that it's an enjoyable read for people and that there's, you know, actionable takeaways for sure, but that it's kind of comforting to know that there are other people that are in your shoes when you're in this, you know, kind of bleary eyed state with young kids. No, I love it. And you're, you have such a, like a relatable voice and tone. It's like immediately disarming. And, you know, I also, by the way, had this sleep alarm with the red light and the green light and it never worked. And I have like a whole closet full of, you know, maimed traffic lights that <laughs> like, and so I'm like, I can't bear to throw them away. And yet I can't keep them out any longer because they make my blood boil. Cause it's like a blinking light of my own failure. So I mean, parents are all looking for help. We all need help. And so it can come in a million different forms, but when it comes in the form of technology, you're like, Oh great. I'll just plug it in. And then the kid will sleep through the night or whatever. It's like, no, they're humans. They're going to, they're going to get up at four in the morning and asked to have a snack, you know, regardless yeah. of what the tells them to do. So, it's also, yeah. it's changed so much. Like I have twins who are 14 and then an eight-year-old and an almost seven-year-old. And th the technology between those kids changed so much. So I'm sure between my seven, almost seven-year-old and your baby, baby, there's like a whole new set of things. Like sure. a lot of sensors you strap to their their body or you know sheets that can sense when the, what their weight is and when they're moving it's it's kind of miraculous stuff but i guess my quest was to figure out if we really needed to go to that you know extreme level or what we were really getting out of it you know at the end the short answer is no correct <laughs> you know why you're doing it there's wonderful tech out there but for me personally you know 
the, the aggravating thing is there are no right answers. Obviously, as any parent knows, what works with your first kid will not work with your second kid, even within a family. So, you know, there isn't a, you know, one, only one takeaway. But for me, ultimately, the trackers and all that stuff made me more anxious and sort of gave me too much information. And I found it very hard to look away. And I ultimately just went to my pediatrician. Like one of the best pieces of advice I got when I got pregnant was pick a rabbi. My friend was like, just pick one person and just go to that person. Don't go to 19 people or 35,000 people on your mom's group. Like pick one person that you trust. And he said, he was like, we wouldn't let the kid out of the hospital if we had to monitor this, you know, level of data in, in this detail. Um, and so I sort of tried to take that to heart, I guess. Yeah. I just think there's so much that you're out of, so much that's out of your control, right? And knowledge is power. And it's like, you feel like if you can just, I mean, I know I'm like regurgitating what you basically said yourself, but you know, having markers, having more data on something that is such a confounding thing in your life, right? Like you don't even know who your kids are at the beginning. Like who are they going to turn into? What are their personalities? Like, you know, you're like bobbing and weaving all the time. Like, wait. <laughs> so even though like, you know, I don't know, oxygen levels make no difference. At least it's something, it's something, you know, and you can control it or you think you can control it. You know, it is absolutely so much about control. And, and part of the journey of the book was me thinking, okay, I can control my kid in a certain way and realizing I had to learn to be out of control, which is, I think, a very big lesson that you learn in the first few years of your kid's life. It's like every idea that you had is going to go out the window the minute the kid enters the room. And you can do everything in your power to make them go to bed at a certain time or weigh a certain thing or grasp a ball at a certain, or whatever the marketers are telling you to do when you're sleep deprived and you don't have the support you need and all of the things that all of us parents go through every day. But ultimately, it's like learning to trust your gut a little bit and to let go of this need to make things work that are out of your control. I also yeah. think not everybody is super technologically adept anyway, right? Like for me, like when they came out with the nursing tracker or whatever else, you know, like you had to like put in like right boob, left boob, the whole thing. I was like, I was fine with a pad of paper and a pen occasionally writing it down, right? That worked for me. Like now I'm learning something else. Like I'm learning my kid. I'm learning what it is to be a mom. And now I'm having to master 57 devices. Like I can barely get the sleep monitor to work, you know, so. 100%. And there, there's like graphs and, and trackers and, and it's all very sexy, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. so, you know, it, it, it's very appealing in a certain way. But what I realized is there is a point at which there's too much information and why are we collecting that information? You know, I, I had to miss one of my second daughter's doctor's appointments when they have a weigh-in and I was like, what should I do? And he was like, just take her to a grocery store and stick her on a scale, like scale, literally that's all you need to do. So I literally took her to the grocery store and put her in the thing with like the onion peels and stuff. And I was like, she weighs nine pounds. He was like, great. <laughs> I was like, okay, great. So we don't need to be, you know, I do think some some parents really do get a lot of calm out of this. And, and you know, I think that there's something to say to, to that. I also think that it's very, they're very outsized cases where you need to be tracking certain things at this level of minutia, you know? I also sort of second your approach to talking to the pediatrician. My pediatrician's amazing and she had four kids. She has four kids herself. And every so often I'd be like, you know, I'm so sorry to ask, you know, and she was like, you realize you're the person who 
asks me things the least of like every other family. I'm like, really? I feel like I'm bothering you all the time. And she's like, people talk to me constantly. So I feel like don't feel bad. That's the person not to overwhelm pediatricians who are already (laughs) completely overwhelmed, but you know, better off somebody who actually knows your child too. Absolutely. Who knows you, knows your child, knows how they're going to respond, how you're going to respond to information. It's like, you know, it's, it's very hard to not scroll around on the internet when your kid has a rash, but it's like, just send the picture to the doctor. Like, yeah. Don't crowdsource that kind of information. No. Just do it. Totally. hundred percent. So tell me about your career because you've had such an interesting career. You were like a line cook at wait, Gramercy Tavern. Is that right? Okay. And like a food writer and all this. And now you're doing this. So tell me, and what sure. happened after college? After college, I was working a job at a nonprofit and I was living at home and saving money. Um, and Where is I, home? In New York City. And so I would find myself after a day of sitting and doing office work, just like needing to make something concrete. And so I would come home and cook and I would like make chicken for my parents. And I didn't know what I was doing, but it felt really tangible and I really enjoyed it. And I actually had also read right after college, Bill Buford's Heat. Mm-hmm. I haven't talked about this in a long time, but he he wrote about you going to Italy and and meeting Mario Batali and, and learning about Italian cooking. And I, it sounded like just so wonderful and appealing to me. And so I ended up going to culinary school in New York in the evening. So I was working during the day until about six. And then I would go to culinary school from six to 10 at night with my chef's bag and like come home sweaty and disgusting and then like go and do it again. And I found I really loved the kind of tangible quality of cutting an onion really quickly and like learning how to do things that were not cerebral. And so after culinary school, I got a job at Gramercy Tavern, essentially. And the, and the story is that I was there to like cut bread and like watch everybody. And then my first day, somebody called in sick who was working the line and they literally were like, you, can you, can you do this? I was like, uh, I don't know. And so I started cooking the appetizers at Gramercy Tavern during lunchtime. And it was so much fun. It was like, you get an adrenaline high from cooking and they're all like, it's like this dance between you and everybody else. And so I did that for a while. And I realized that what I really wanted to do was write about it because it was such an appealing kind of underbelly of society and everything that Anthony Bourdain had written about that was so compelling was like, I was seeing it. So I would go home and like take notes after, after work. And I ended up getting a job as a food reporter in San Francisco at the Chronicle. I had moved out there because my now husband and boyfriend got a job in Silicon Valley. So I was like, okay, we'll go and we'll give that a shot. And so I ended up being a beat reporter in the food section. And I took the little pool cars out and interviewed chefs and wrote about farmers and Brussels sprouts and avocados <laughs> and all this stuff. And then came back to New York. I was, I'm a native New Yorker and was very homesick. And so I came back and got a job as an editor at Sever, which is a beloved food publication and was there for like a couple stints and freelancing for a couple stints. And after, I don't know, it's probably close to a decade of, of writing about food. I got tired of writing about Brussels sprouts and my daughter was born and I got very, very interested in all things parenting related because they become your universe. And so I started pivoting to writing a little bit about Ella and using her as a, as a subject and using my husband as a, a foil to me. And, and so the book kind of came out of very naturally out of things that I was very personally invested in and very interested in. So it's a, a bit of a circuitous route, but sort of makes sense. <laughs> I love that. I totally love that. I'm also a native New Yorker and spent a couple of years in California and had to return as well. So, you know, there are amazing things about California. I just missed the grittiness of New York, I guess. Yeah. Every so often I was just there for a month and I'm like, okay, I think I'm like getting ready. Like I miss the real world, right? It just doesn't feel real. It's too nice. It's too easy. 
It's like, <laughs> I'm, you right? know, work life balance, all of that. I know, That's yeah. ridiculous, you know? You've got to be neurotic and crazy. That's exactly. I, I Where are my people? <laughs> A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So do you still cook? Like, do you ever cook for fun anymore? Or have you sort of cooked? I mean, ask me that in a few months when it's, I don't have a six week old, but yes, during, you know, during the pandemic, I cooked an enormous amount and it was fun to get Ella involved. It's like a great activity, you know, like the measuring of the things. I'm not actually a good baker. So that's like making cookies is her dream. She loves making cookies. You can yeah. send her to me for that. And I can send my kids to you for the cooking because I, I can bake anything, but I'm, I'm not as good as, uh, at cooking. At all. <laughs> I don't follow directions, which is really what you need to do. I like to experiment and like experimenting with baking soda. It's just like, then you no. won't, it won't be the right cookie or the right piece of bread. No, I'm like, give me the rules. And that is exactly what I will do. And now <laughs> here is my deliverable. Thank you very much. I like to throw things into a pot and see what will happen. But yes, I cook as much as I can, which right now is not at all. But hopefully there is an, an end in sight when, you know, more than three hours of uninterrupted sleep is, is there. I know it's there. We did it twice before. So <laughs> I know that it's going to come, <laughs> but we're not there yet. But the baby phase is so yummy. I'm je- I'm kind of jealous of that little tiny. Oh my God. Good. And the smell of their clothes even. Oh. Virgin is just, it's fantastic. Their skin. Anyway, no, I'm, uh, anyway, I'm about to, you know, invite myself over. I'm going to kind of like <laughs> snatch your child. So what next? You have this book, which is amazing. You have a full family life. Are you getting like, what, what's, is this the dream? What's like the grand plan? Or are we just going to stay in the moment like we're supposed to? Grand plan, like I can't think more than, you know, three hours in advance at this point. But actually during the pandemic, I started working on a book proposal for book number two, which fingers crossed, you know, might happen. But I lived with my parents for the first time in a long time during the pandemic because it was kind of like so crazy. And obviously it drove everybody up the wall, but also it was incredible. And, you know, my kids got to really spend time with their grandparents. Like my grandparents seemed to, my parents seemed to like shed 10 years you know, every time, every hour they spent with my kids, there was childcare that was built in. Everybody was really happy in a lot of ways. And then it got very, you know, it's complex having multiple dynamics in a household when you're used to having your own household and they're having their own household. So I started kicking around this idea of 
the nuclear family, which really was completely exploded during the pandemic as if, you know, nobody knew, nobody thought it really worked, but it really didn't work during the pandemic and sort of considering alternatives to it. And when I started poking around, I thought there would be a lot of hippy dippy commune patchouli scented sort of, you know, people that I'd be interviewing. And in fact, there are a lot of really fascinating kind of antidotes to the nuclear family that are communal, but are not at all off the grid that are very much, you know, speaking of my first book, like very much rooted in technology as ways of helping people of like building wide systems that bring people together, that sort of combat loneliness and and specifically help parents. And so I'm sort of in the thick of, of researching and reporting that and seeing what comes of it. But again, this is a very, very personal subject. You know, I had a third baby on the horizon. I was like, we're not going to have enough hands for all kids. What are we going to do? I'm not going to move back in with my parents. They were, they were wonderful. And I actually only live eight blocks from them in the city. So they're very integral to my kid's life and to my life, which is just a blessing that I didn't even realize was going to be such a blessing. But that's what I'm considering that, that I'm doing now. I'm, I'm writing a bit for The Guardian and, you know, seeing this book, See the Light of Day, which has been a, a really fun and crazy journey, like particularly throwing in the pandemic which hit like a week after my manuscript was due. Oh my gosh. So it was like, you know, an interesting time to have considered all of this stuff about technology when it became such a central part of everybody's lives, inevitably. Oh my gosh. You should write for Moms No Time to Write. We have this like personal essay site. I'll send you information or whatever, but- Please do, please do. That's awesome. So just, is there one piece of technology that you were like, this one, this is worth it? It's a good question. I should have a quippy answer to that, which I don't. I think, I guess I really should have an answer to that. I don't have an answer. I think ultimately that analog things for me ended up really being the things that I needed around. Like you can't read too much to your kid. There's very little that's more enjoyable than snuggling up with your kid and reading a book. And you can't do that 24 hours a day. And like, Ella watched Frozen 9,000 times, you know, during the pandemic. I'm not a saint, but I think, you know, kind of like erring on the side of boredom and like letting the kids find creativity by themselves is like really a better thing to do than be constantly enriching them, which is kind of what this technology fuels is this idea of like not letting any moment go by without giving them some input. And in fact, all the science says that's not really the the right way or the most beneficial way to raise a kid. So yeah, we, you know, I, I, we got this new for research purposes and like, it was amazing. Yes, it was amazing, but it also brought up a lot of questions for me about, you know, why are we outsourcing rocking to to, to a device? And like, it can be incredibly helpful, but like, what is, what does it mean about the bigger state of things? So that's a convoluted answer that I will work on. That's okay. You work on that. You can email me the answer. And (laughs) last question, what advice would you have for aspiring authors? I would find a cheering team, maybe one person, maybe multiple people that can be kind of in your corner when you're writing things and you think you're never going to either publish the thing or get to the end of the sentence or whatever. And I was lucky enough to have multiple people in my life, a very close friend who was a first reader who basically was like, just throw me anything and we can bat ideas back and forth. My father's a writer. We took a million walks in the park and he made a writer with me about everything. Find somebody to tell you that, that what you're writing is worth it and that, you know, no thought is too small 
and that every sentence on the page is getting you one step closer to to the end of whatever it is that you're writing. I mean, that was critical to me. I could not have done it without without the support of my network. I think we should also throw back in your earlier statement, which is that you just like to throw a bunch of stuff in a pot and see what happens, because I think that could also be good writing advice. <laughs> That's right. Free, free associate. I believe, the, the, this book started as, as e- emails to a friend just like thoughts, random thoughts, bullet points. And then like it, you know, it becomes something. It takes a while, but you can get there. You can do it. I love it. So great. Awesome. Well, congratulations again on your baby and your book baby and everything else in this very exciting time of your life. So hang in there. (laughs) So nice to talk to you, Zoe. You too. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.